Precept is an EU-funded project that uses cutting-edge technologies in order to transform conventional residential buildings into highly efficient and proactive ones. Together with Konstantinos Arvanitis, the project's coordinator, and Yulia Dektaryova, representative of the project's Ukrainian partners, we are going to discuss how this transformation can take place in modern cities, or even more, how to use the project's tech to heal war-stricken buildings. Welcome to the EU Project Zone, a podcast series from Enlit and Friends focusing on the energy transition and the EU Commission-funded projects that will help us achieve it. My name is Areti Daradimu and I am the host of the EU Project Zone. I would like to welcome you both and Kostadinos, would you please describe in a few words the Precept project? Yes, thank you very much. Good morning everyone. Precept project becomes today more than ever a very hot topic because it's talking as our motto for uh, smarter buildings with energy efficiency. So we say less energy, smarter buildings. This is our project motto. So according to the European Union member states, there is a push, let's say proposal for all our uh, citizens to cut down their uh, electricity or gas spent the way that they are spending. And that is all uh, Precept is about. It's about installing some technologies with uh, almost zero financial cost in order to be efficient either as an attitude and of course as a person looking at the analytics. I have to state in order for our audience to be aware of what we are doing. In simple words, Kelvin 200 years before told that you cannot improve what you cannot measure. So we are measuring things, we are giving people to know how do they spend the energy and change their temperature, their attitude towards uh, being comfortable and of course being efficient as well. Which needs of the European energy sector would you say that it is covering and how? For sure the call is about residential buildings at first. So if we think that uh, all from the full European building stock the 75% of it is built for residential, for our homes, and the residential buildings are consuming about 25% of the total energy spent done in Europe, including transportation. We are covering all the, we can cover all the residential buildings over Europe, while only about 8% of these buildings are smart or energy efficient. The target of European Union for 2000. 23 is to be about 18%, but this number is the low percentage right now. So the fields that we are covering, it's the green energy transition, the effectiveness, and of course, uh, nowadays, the non-inflated energy bills. Can we also please touch upon a little bit on who is involved in the project as well as who is the target audience? Yes, yes, I will tell you. Regarding this project, we are uh, 14 partners across uh, Europe, including the Ukraine. Uh, we have two partners from Ukraine, and we are happy about this. Our uh, European dimension uh, is we are 10 uh, partners from 10 countries. We are uh, nine commercial partners, including two utility companies, Vattenvolt from Greece and My Energia Spain, so we have the know-how. We have uh, five research institutes, big ones, and one uh, standardization board is taking care of all the standardization procedures before and after the project. If you want, I can name the partners, but you have specific partners to the building digital twins, to 
the pilot activities to the post-project commercialization, to the dissemination, to the communication. And a lot of work has been done, uh, clever work uh, regarding the uh, Precept applications and social collaboration platforms, all of the smart things we do from the academic institutes. And for the target group? Target group is uh, mainly each and every residential customer that can have uh, and can try for free our uh, application and then start improving his uh, energy spent either or without installing some uh, equipment. Okay, it is hard to talk about smart buildings and not talk a little bit about uh, smart cities. So Julia, I would like to ask you, how do you envision the smart buildings and smart cities of the future? Yeah, and not being uh, so an expert in this field, but uh, as an ordinary user, I would describe it. So a smart building, first of all, is a building that covers all the needs of its occupants at uh, all levels. And according to Maslow Triangle, it is uh, the building that covers the needs at all five levels, including the basic ones, psychological, physiological, and so financial security and up to higher levels, including self-esteem and self-actualization. And basic needs are covered, such as appropriate, comfortable temperature and low level of CO2 and uh, financial security because uh, so the energy bills are not that high. And uh, then I feel aware that I can contribute to the development of my community and being greener and uh, being a part of the energy efficient uh, group and contributing to future generations. And that is my vision of well-being in a house. And when it comes to an ideal city, it is a city again and uh, that provides inclusion and equal ability for everybody to feel comfortable in the city, whether they are elderly, young people or people with disabilities. The city that doesn't prevent us from feeling free, but at the same time, the city that is sustainable, so that doesn't damage the environment. Julia, I would really love to live in uh, your vision of the city of the mm-hmm. future. Costadinos, <laughs> do you have something to add? Okay, yes. Uh, thank you, Julia, for saying this. In addition to Julia's examples, I would say that each city has uh, the elements structuring a city are uh, households, buildings and citizens. Of course, a smart city means smart transport infrastructures, uh, smart, let's say, sensors for the environmental conditions and the total energy spent. So I think the smart city of the future to be a simple city where citizens can be aware of how they can commune from, say, their house to their job and go back with a less CO2 fingerprint. And of course, being smart means gaining some core for earning some time or having the time to recycle or to be a citizen, um, well-educated and environmental friendly. Absolutely. But I would like to go now a little bit back to the project itself. Now, it aims at transforming the conventional buildings to smart buildings with almost zero operational costs. Having Yulia with us, I can't help but wonder if that will be the case even for Ukrainian buildings after the war or even during. And I would like to start with the situation and reality in Ukraine now. 
So Ukraine's housing is composed primarily uh, of the energy inefficient buildings and uh, which were constructed uh, in the Soviet period uh, and when we didn't have standards or problems such as we're facing now. And with the power supply and with the need to save energy. And in fact, so buildings in Ukraine are responsible for 40% of total energy consumption. And 54% of that consumption comes to heating and cooling. And with the war going on in Ukraine, and according to the Ministry of Territories and Development of Ukraine, more than 75% of buildings, including residential ones, have been destroyed and require either so total reconstruction or refitting. And I think it is the time even now, without waiting for the end of the war, to start renovating those residential buildings uh, and as well as public buildings. So in compliance with uh, energy efficiency standards and which have been approved and accepted in the European Union and uh, our government started uh, acting even before the war and uh, we adopted a number of energy efficiency standards in Ukraine. I'm just, um, I'm wondering, I can't even imagine how the situation is in Ukraine. I haven't experienced the war and I hope I never will. But how can we discuss well-being of smart buildings? How can you be ready to start rebuilding while your adult population is fighting? And in fact, people now are very interested in making their buildings smarter and more energy efficient and it is not because uh, not only i would say not only because uh, of the price of uh, household bills and uh, the cost of energy but because of everybody's responsibility at the moment that we are all the part of our national community and uh, we are all responsible not only for the situation at the moment but for the renovation and uh, revival of the country at all levels uh, starting from individuals so households families and at the governmental level and everybody should contribute and that is why people are very interested in making their houses more energy efficient in order to economize because uh, if we do not economize now we will be without uh, any electricity just uh, a few even not a few days later but a few hours later we have already experienced a number of rolling blackouts and uh, even now so just before our interview i contacted my daughter who is staying in dnipro in ukraine and uh, who complained that uh, they have been without electricity for more than 15 hours now because there was uh, overuse of power in the region and uh, of course everybody is recommended to to save and be more efficient in terms of energy collective everybody everybody in the country is helping any way they can yeah, any, yes anyway so anyway so and everybody and tries to contribute and do their bit and in order to help our men and help everybody
And in fact, this situation taught us to be less wasteful, I would say, <laughs> more economical, and it united us as never before. That sounds brilliant. It united you in Ukraine. I dare say it united us in Europe also yeah. by your side, which is uh, always a beautiful thing. I would like to ask one last question, which is about one of the pilots of the project that is in Ukraine. So how has the war affected this pilot, Yulia? And in fact, we were quite active before the war, but when it started in February, we decided to put it on a hold and uh, for a while because we had no idea what way the situation will be developing. But when we saw that uh, we can continue, it was in uh, June or July, we immediately informed our partners in the European Union and project partners that we are ready and eager to continue. And because it is a project that has come just relevant, so it was uh, really important and it is even more important now. Yeah. So these systems are being installed at the moment in Ukraine and uh, even now feels a difference so that they can control the consumption and this way they can reduce the use of energy in their households and without feeling uncomfortable. Konstantinos, a last comment from you? Yes, we are delighted that our partners are back because we lose every communication you can realize during the project. And we were, as a project, me personally and all the project consortium, we were totally supportive and really anxious about what's happening. And we were delighted that our partners came back willing to do things. They never talked about difficulties, but they were talking about the challenge. So I'm really happy to have Julia and Marina, the other partner, with us. You know, it is the first time we're meeting in person with our partners and uh, I want to express my and the total consortium sympathy for uh, all Ukrainian, uh, not only our partners and their families. Thank you very much. Julia Konstantinos, thank you very much for this very interesting conversation. And let me say that on behalf of Enlit Europe and Smart Energy International, we're proud to have your Ukrainian partners with us and we're wishing all the best to the brave people of Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, on my side, I would like to express appreciation to our European partners in the project and to all the European Union for the support and uh, your contribution and to our survival and our innovation in Ukraine. <laughs> thank thank you. you very much. Thank, thank you very much. All. And thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the EU Project Zone podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and the Enlit Europe website. Just hit subscribe and you can access our other episodes too. I am Areti Daradimu, host of this podcast series, and I thank you for joining us. Music